This show is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Charleston Coffee Roasters. Charleston Coffee Roasters painstakingly searches the world over for the highest quality coffee beans. They bring them home to Charleston, South Carolina, where slow roasting coaxes out their unique flavor. Along with their promise of great coffee, Charleston Coffee Roasters also pledges to help our planet and local communities. Globally, they support sustainable farming practices. Locally, they partner with the South Carolina Sea Turtle Rescue Program. Visit their website, charlestoncoffeeroasters.com, and use the code COFFEEWITHFRIENDS, all lowercase, all one word, to get 20% off on all bagged coffees. When the project was brought to me, I thought it was kind of absurd. You know, I had always thought about doing a cookbook, but I had no, just, I had, didn't think I was even near the realm of doing a memoir. And I was like, I just haven't lived enough life to write this book yet. And they were like, Craig, just talk to, you know, this writer and, and see. And as I started to like talk even for an hour or two, they were like, you have a lot of stories and you're kind of an open book. And so started to build my confidence and I would just ride around in my car. I had an incredible writer that worked with me, uh, Blake Dvorak. And my process was I would get in my car and my I would sync my phone with my car and I would just drive for an hour around Charleston and talk. Welcome to the Friends and Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Four New York Times bestselling authors, one rock star librarian, and endless stories. Join Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry, along with Ron Block. As novelists, we are four longtime friends with 70 books between us. And I am Ron Block. Please join us for fascinating author interviews and insider talk about publishing and writing. If you love books and are curious about the writing world, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. This episode is going to be a little bit eye-opening as we expand our look at storytelling from a unique angle. Today, we're so excited to welcome Craig Conover to the podcast. Craig is the author of the memoir, Pillow Talk, What's Wrong With My Sewing, out on 329. I am Ron Block. And I'm Christy Woodson-Harvey. Craig Conover is one of the stars of Bravo's Southern Charm and the co-founder and CMO of Sewing Down South. He is a graduate of the College of Charleston and the Charleston School of Law, and he currently resides in Charleston. We also have something in common because my new book, The Wedding Veil, also releases on March 29th. Pretty great. And I just realized that the, you both have the same publisher. Oh, that's right. We're both, both in gallery. gallery. That's right. Yeah, that was actually in my email. Well, hey, I just want to thank you, Ron and Christy, and the podcast for having me on. I think this is actually the first podcast I'm doing for the release. So yeah. this is the inaugural uh, conversation about the book. Nice. We're so ahead of the curve. Yeah, I, I'm pumped because until this point, I really haven't spoken publicly about it. So this is breaking the ice and really excited to chat with you guys all things books, life, pillow talk, whatever it may be. 
Right on. Oh, we're we're here for every part of it. Don't worry. But we're thrilled to have you with us. So again, congratulations on the book. And like you have 8,000 other projects going. You are kind of busy. But let's start this discussion with the book. Can you just kind of give us a quick overview of the book? Sure. And I've kind of been working on this. So this will be, you know, good kind of, you know, shaping my how I describe it. Because when I when the project was brought to me, I thought it was kind of absurd. You know, I had always thought about doing a cookbook, but I had no just I had didn't think I was even near the realm of doing a memoir. And I was like, I just haven't lived enough life to write this book yet. And they were like, Craig, just talk to you know, this writer and, and see. And as I started to like talk even for an hour or two, they were like, you have a lot of stories yeah. um, and you're kind of an open book. And so started to build my confidence and I would just ride around in my, I had an incredible writer that worked with me, uh, Blake Dvorak. And my process was I would get in my car and my, my, I would sync my phone with my car and I would just drive for an hour around Charleston and talk. And through that, we kind of, well, we, I think we were able to tell this incredible story of, you know, my upbringing, which I was bullied a ton, which kind of led me to want to leave Delaware and take control of my future in Charleston. And through college and law school, then ending up on Southern Charm, I had a very unique path. And throughout the whole time, I was doing things that people told me not to do. Uh, and it just wasn't a textbook pathway into your career. And so we hit on a lot of topics. Some of my favorite topics and stories we tell are I was very fortunate to have, you know, a nice household growing up as in, you know, I had two parents to come home to. We had dinner every night together, but I still found myself in a lot of, at a lot of bottoms, a lot of like bottom of like, you know, just I, I put myself in a lot of situations that was stupid and there was no way to blame it on my upbringing or not having enough growing up or enough chances. You know, I was a good student, good athlete. And I put myself, so basically these mess ups, I should call them. I think the reader and I hope the reader will be able to, to connect with me on that level. You know, I, I tell a story about waking up next to a dumpster only a couple of years ago after it looked like I was on the right track again. And so it's never too late to fight your way to overcome those demons. They'll always be there, right. but you're not, you're not the only one with them. You know, you're not the only one that's messed up. You're not the only one that has taken a little longer than you wanted to do what you wanted in life. And so not, I, I really hope that after reading the book, people don't feel guilty if they are now to work on their side hustle you know, they will kind of mute out all the haters around them. Uh, because look, it's, it's a lot of people's natural instinct to hold people back. You know, if they start to see people doing well or doing something that they've always dreamed of for themselves, it's kind of just like in high school when you're about to go off to college, there's a lot of kids that want to hold you there and make fun of you for going to college. And it's like, look, you can come with me if you'd like, but I can't stay back, you know, with you anymore. So. Again, it's not that articulate of a response, I understand, but... Oh, are uh, you kidding? <laughs> it's just, it, it hits on a lot. Of, look, there's a lot of hidden behind the... Not a lot, but there are some behind the scenes stuff from the show, which the network wasn't too thrilled about, obviously. Uh, they're like, what are you doing, Craig? But it, it's eye-opening, and it's definitely not to correct any record. It's just to give more information out there, because we can only cover so much with the show. So. Right. And then it takes you through all of that 
through the point of sewing down south and its birth and how I finally started to figure things out. And it's all about just keeping, just keep moving. Um, you know, a lot of times that movement will be backwards, but eventually you'll do enough things right that that ball starts moving forward. And it's just a really great feeling when it does. And I, I was hoping to share that story with everyone. Yeah. And, and that you did, that you did. But I just want to say too, that it was so great that you mentioned that you had a really good upbringing with your parents in the background, because even with all the trials and tribulations of growing up, having had that foundation is really kind of what helps keep you going. Oh yeah. I mean that, and, and you don't realize it until you get a little older. And for me, I mentioned in the book, it wasn't until I went to college that I realized, well, maybe high school that I realized people didn't have dinner with their families every night. Um, that I was actually like, I was truly very fortunate to have, you know, both parents at a dinner table and an open discussion. And then I still had this place called home that if I ever got in trouble, I knew I could run to. So I think it's a very self self aware book. And I do kind of pride myself on being self-aware. Uh, it's kind of a funny yeah. thing that my girlfriend Paige is like, you need a whole team of therapists to figure out what's going on in your head. <laughs> I'm like, I can already self-diagnose myself. Like I can tell you, you know, I can profile myself very well. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to take you through the journey of trying to figure out how to push through all that stuff. So it's, it's a feel good reader at the end of the day. And hopefully People don't feel so alone after reading it. Because honestly, what I heard something in my late 20s, which was tomorrow is the next day of the rest of your life. And I truly attribute hearing that finally to where I am today. Because a lot of times it's easy to get, get down on yourself and be like, man, I should be doing more at this point. But Well, it is, you know, we've touched on this, but it is a really honest book. And I was kind of surprised because I feel like sometimes memoirs like these are like, let me tell you how great I am in 372 pages or less. But it really wasn't like that. I mean, you really, you really like went there with a lot of things. And I especially, you know, found myself reading the parts about your Adderall addiction and thinking about how many people that's going to help. Um, Because I would imagine that many people, you know, might have a problem with, prescriptions and they don't even actually know it or realize it or they don't want to face it. No, I, I feel the same way. And I've had some incredible feedback just from when I finally admitted it on a reunion a couple years ago. So, and just even after that, I had some, like a few high, like high figured, what's the word I'm thinking about? Just people that are like kind of famous and, some athletes. There's been a couple people that have reached out to me and been like, Hey, I've never told anyone this, but like Adderall is a problem in my life. It's affecting my relationship with my children, my relationship with my spouse. And I don't want to look in the mirror because that's what gets me going every day because it is kind of a happy, it becomes a happy pill, but it is, you know, if you're using, look, Shep always said to me, he was like, Shep on uh, Southern Charm, he was like, Craig, if you don't have a test to study for, you shouldn't be taking it anymore. And for me, that was the truth. And I, I remember getting to a point where I was like, how did something that was so good for me for so long become the worst thing in my life? And there's not a doctor that's going to tell you that. There's no one in the pharmaceutical right. industry that's going to tell you that. And a lot of people think 
you know, if a doctor told me to take it, that it can't be bad for me. Um, so it is one that takes a lot of self-reflection and, uh, I had never experienced addiction before. I love to drink, but I had never been hooked on it. I never craved alcohol, but Adderall, I really did. And it's not until you really get out of that haze of addiction that you're like, whoa, I was, you know, this was really affecting me. And a great part of the book is sure. I got out of it when I was living in the Bahamas, but then when I moved home to Charleston to film again, all of those triggers presented themselves and I fell right back into that pattern. And so, you know, there's, it's not something that you're not a, you know, it's not easy. It's really hard and it's not easy for anyone. And so hopefully by me sharing that, you know, my story, it can help other people because no one talks about Adderall and it, it stinks because I really did love it. Well, I mean, you still, you know, it, yeah, I you love, always love it. Yeah, I I guess. <laughs> That's the, the point. Um, but I haven't touched it in three years because I knew if I even took one, then, you know, that's just, you just can't. And so, you know, my dad stopped drinking when I was born and he always said, like, you're always an alcoholic. And I just never understood what that meant. Cause I was like, what are you talking about? You haven't drank in 20 years, but now I kind of understand it through Adderall. And uh, yeah, you know, you'd be like, well, how can it be that bad? But for me, it was a coping mechanism and it wasn't a healthy coping mechanism, but it was a cheat drug. You know, you take it and you instantly feel better. and All of a sudden things feel easy, but it's really kind of causing the problems that you're fixing. Um, and I hope like it's not against Adderall, it was against my relationship with Adderall. No, sure. And I think that's, I think those are the sneakiest things to try to fix in ourselves because like technically you weren't really doing anything wrong. Right. And so I think that's that's when it's, yeah, that's when it gets kind of hard to figure out like, okay, well maybe this technically isn't wrong, but it's wrong for me at this way and this amount and all of that. So yeah, we know what you're saying. Yeah. That was wild. I was on the, I forget what season it was, but the reunion and Andy Cohen was just asking me questions and I was like, all of all of these, the answer to all of these questions in my head was Adderall. And I was like, look, being an open book is, has treated, you know, some of the first few seasons I tried to control things. But once you get to the point where you're just yourself, things start to work out a lot more. And so I was just like, look, it's the Adderall. And that kind of started, everyone was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. And um, yeah. It does. And I actually think that's going to be one of the things you're going to hear the most from your readers about, um, because it's so relatable and everybody can You just mentioned you've already heard from some people about it when you did it, but these readers are going to like, go, oh, that's me too. That's me too. And you're going to help influence a lot of people. So I, um, I appreciate your honesty in the book with that. Yes. Speaking of honesty, um, you touched on this a little bit, but as I was reading the book, I kept thinking that the Craig that we were learning about in the book was quite different than the Craig we watch on television. And I really appreciated how you added so much more information and backstory to that. Do you mind talking a little bit about why you decided to share it all? I mean, you talked about how honest you were, but some of the some of the differences, why the differences? Well, what I, I started to figure out early on was, especially after the first season and second season, I longed and looked forward to meeting fans out in public or people that watch the show because right. in a minute, in 60 seconds or even two minutes, people were like, whoa, we like you way more in person than we do on the show. And that was fine with me. I was like, look, I'd rather be 
I'd rather be better in person than I am on the show, which, you know, not everyone can say that. Sometimes it goes in the opposite direction on right. other shows and it's <laughs> funny. So I've always longed to let people learn more about me because I feel like my, you know, my image and their relationship with me only gets more positive the more they know about me. Um, you know, I've always been told I have a lot of layers and it's just impossible to show, you know, uh, in, in a one season of a television show. And I used to be really bitter about that and angry. And, you know, my, the people that run my production company can tell you that they've had angry rants from all of us. And then you just, you know, learn that it's impossible. It's just part of the business. And so as the show goes on, you get to see more and more of that person. And, and that's what this book gave me an opportunity to do was talk about things that were happening the other eight months of the year that we, we didn't get a chance to cover in four months. And so it's no one's fault. It's just there, you know, when that's how people are getting their information about you is from the television program, they, you got to look for other outlets to share your life with them. So it was really fun to be able to share some of these stories. And honestly, as I was telling them, and really, when I've read the book back a couple of times, I'm like, man, there is a lot to share with people. And so yeah. I'm glad to hear that you guys enjoyed some of those anecdotes. It is, especially for me. Like, was, uh, I think the show makes you think one thing, but then your book, kind of all of your relationship with trying to finish law school and all of the hurdles that you had to go through, it's like, oh, it all makes sense now. <laughs> man, that that was one of the tougher ones where... So what what happened was when... I submitted my incomplete bar application the one season because I was just scared. I didn't know what to do. And so I was like, look, guys, I submitted my application. It is what it is. When that ended up not panning out, uh, some people at the production company were just like, well, we're not going to cover this law story anymore because it's bullshit. And so I don't blame anyone for that because, you know, until I actually was able to accomplish what I said I was going to do and start walking the walk, I mean, I was a great talker and they were just like, we're sick of this. And so I got that. But I was in a parade in New Orleans a couple of years ago for St. Patty's Day. And, you know, we're throwing everything out, like the stuffed animals and candy. And it was vegetables, which is wild. We were throwing carrots and potatoes and stuff. It was one of the more fun things I've done. But, you know, a lady on top of all the crowd noise is like, did you take the bar yet? And I'm oh just my like, God. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> yes, I did years ago. But, um, no, so yeah, there was a there was a few incomplete stories that I kind of finished, you know, yeah. the rest of it. That's good. Good. Well, I'm a big fan of Southern Charm. And so I feel like having you here, I cannot not talk about you and Naomi because obviously that was a really big storyline for you. Um, and again, I was so shocked at how like super forthcoming you were about your relationship and you know, people watching you fall in and out of love on TV in front of a camera. And I know that a lot of listeners will be really interested to hear you talk about that a little more, you know, about how you felt like the cameras being in your relationship affected your relationship. Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, I was really excited how we were able to tell the story in this book. I think it yeah. was, it could not have been more appropriate on where we placed it. I just was really happy for it. And we actually, we interviewed Naomi a lot for it because I did not feel comfortable telling our story without her permission, basically, or, you know, her being a part of it. Um, and 
And so she was, you know, she was involved, which, which is great. And so our story is very honest in the book. And yeah, I mean, it's really hard to survive a relationship on television. Um, there's a lot of pressures that, you know, you just would never imagine. And when you're trying to, especially if you're going, basically those pressures of television are only going to, you know, amplify any problems that you have in the relationship. And then if you're trying to work on them while on camera, you're also making a show and it's hard to decipher and differentiate, you know, what is for TV and what is not. And for me, I was, you know, our relationship above all. And so I wasn't able to, to kind of stomach some of the stuff that Naomi was doing on camera, but in her world, she was like, Craig, we're fine at home. Like that's what, you know, it was, it was for entertainment purposes and no one was wrong in that. And trust me, if I wasn't on so much Adderall, I probably would have had a lot more patience for the situation. And honestly, coming to that conclusion uh, that my Adderall really affected our relationship was almost harder or it was harder than actually admitting that TV affected us. And fortunately with the TV, I believe it just amplified our, it accelerated our problems. So everything that we dealt with on the show, we would have eventually dealt with just years down the road. So that was fine. And I can always justify that. But my Adderall addiction was a huge, I mean, that was antagonist in our relationship. So that was tough. So I think, I think I give it a fair look in the book. You know, it was both of our faults and at the end of the day, it just didn't work. And hopefully for people that are going through it, because I, you know, I've been speaking around the country recently and I, uh, everyone goes through breakups and they are crippling a lot of times yeah. and no one really talks about it. I mean, people do talk about it, but there's a lot of people that deal with their breakups and internalize it. And like, for me, I, I turned to Adderall and I was depressed and I didn't even know it. There, people understand the pain that you're going through and how it really hurts. So like, I just, I wanted to, you know, tell kind of the story so people don't feel alone, but also it's okay to love someone and realize that you're not, it's not a healthy relationship to be together. So you can love your person. And that's something that really helped me, even with a relationship after Naomi was like, look, I love this person, but we are not good together and we're not supposed to be dating. And that doesn't mean you don't care for them. And you can hope that they find happiness and all of that good stuff. And that was kind of the case. You know, we fell in love. It was my first love. And, you know, you, you your paths at that time still have a lot of different courses they can take. And, right. and that's kind of what happened. That's such a good point though, because I do think you can love someone and not, and that's not the person that you're supposed to spend your life with. And it is a hard realization and it's, you know, and I think we sort of saw this on the show and you sort of talked about it in the book. I mean, I think it wasn't just finished between you. And I think that's what happens a lot of the times when, you know, it's hard to have that end point when you know that you love someone, but maybe they're not the person that you're supposed to spend your life with. Yeah. And you'll get to see some good follow up on it on the season of Southern Charm, which is cool. I'm sure. Like, like OG viewers are going to love what anyway, everyone's going to love it. You know, some of that stuff is addressed and, you know, to Naomi's credit, you know, after her breakup this summer, she did text me, you know, and said what a lot of people have always, you know, wanted to know if she ever 
apologized or whatnot. And it wasn't that she needed to, but she said something really nice where I was like, look, it's just like what I tell people that come in the store, you know, everything happens for a reason because of that breakup and everything I am where I am today. And she did actually say, Craig, you would have done this no matter what. You always believed in it. I just couldn't see it. So it was a really good full circle moment. Oh, the part where she said at the wedding that she could never be your biggest fan. I was oh, like, oh, that's right. Rip your heart out. I mean, but it, but that was a really honest thing to say, you know? I mean, that was a really honest thing to say. Yeah. And this is my first time getting to talk to uh, anyone that's read the book. So this is really neat. Oh, right. Oh, oh, we're just getting started. <laughs> um, in addition to Naomi, that you, of course, you talk about a lot of other people, family, friends, castmates, and even the network. What's been their reaction to the idea, of, if they haven't read the book, of you doing all this? Honestly, not too many people were aware I was doing it. It was kind of a quiet project. The people, but pretty much everyone that I talk about in the book were really excited. You know, they're still very very close parts of my life. I mean, my team, Amanda and Jerry are involved in pretty much everything I do. Anna Hayward works with me every day. Her and Graham that I lived in the Bahamas with, they actually live in my community in Charleston. And, you know, my I only had to change the name of one friend, which was funny. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, Ooh. yeah. He, and who was that? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe you'll, it'll probably pop out, but it was... Um, he was only in one part of it, but people are really excited. And I think, and I'm really excited for people to read it. Uh, we just got our first shipment here a couple of days ago and I'm going to take a couple and hand them out to my friends and we'll see, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I, because I'm not nervous because it's so honest. I'm not nervous of people being like, this is bull crap, you know? And that's, I'm happy about that because my final read, I was like, did I forget to like, edit anything or did I mess it up? And, and I'm very comfortable with how it came out. You know, it's just, it's a truthful synopsis of, of my life. Right. That's really great. Uh The friends and fiction writers block podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, page one books, the page one book subscription provides the personal touch of an indie bookstore with the delight and surprise of an online subscription service curated just for you. The literary matchmakers at Page One Books hand select books just for you based on your preferences and their knowledge. At Page One Books, you are more than an algorithm. Shop now at pageonebooks.com. That's page, the number one, books.com. Choose their three, six, or 12-month subscription plan. The gift of page one is always a custom fit. And now you can get 15% off all book subscriptions with the code FRIENDS15. Well... As I've mentioned, an avid fan of the show. I and a writer, you know, so I think your your writer brain is always like, where's this storyline going? Which is funny because it's reality TV. So you don't really know where the storyline's going. But I really thought I was like, okay, you know, Craig's gonna become a lawyer, he's gonna wear the suit, he's gonna be in an office in Charleston, downtown, and like, you know, that's kind of how I 
thought the storyline was going to go and it totally didn't. And I love that you leaned into your creativity and to this passion that you found sort of unexpectedly, even though, you know, other people didn't necessarily believe in that idea for you. So can you just speak to that a little bit about what it was like to have to, you know, you had this kind of big goal and then you achieved it and then you went a different direction anyway. So how did you sort of lean into what you wanted to do instead of responding to what everyone else thought you should do? It's a, it's a great point. And people really like hearing about, you know, especially the end of the story, like, Honestly, building the store was, a, you know, opening day was all the middle finger I needed to everyone, all the haters. And, you know, people always want to hear, you know, how good it feels to rub it in everyone's face. And I was like, yeah, of course it does. But that can't be your motivation to do anything. You know, if you're doing it to prove someone wrong, that's it's not going to work now. But it's is there a good feeling Sometimes at the end. Of the yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a bonus. No, it's, it's not like going to work. It's like all agents in <laughs> Oh, it's, it's incredible. I mean, <laughs> I love Shep to death, but he, he still had trouble stepping foot in the store for the first few times. Taylor always <laughs> makes him come in, but he's, he's been incredibly supportive. And, um, you know, Patricia came to the opening with her friends and, um, you know, and, and the rest of everyone's been super supportive. But, you know, in the beginning, it, it does take taking a chance. And I, I was just speaking the other day, uh, to some MBA students in LSU and, I was like, look, I was fortunate to have a primary income that allowed me to have time to work on this side project. And I know a lot of people don't have that, you know, that asset, but that doesn't mean not to spend time on it when you get home from work or especially now that, you know, this, the, the quarantine period really helped open the doors for side hustles and at home businesses. Um, and you shouldn't feel guilty about spending time on that side hustle. But I just knew... So through my bullying... It's funny because as bad as getting bullied sucked, and God, I can't imagine it these days with the internet, it set me up for reality TV because I'm like, there's nothing y'all can do that I haven't been through, you know? And, and point. Yeah. And so I had to self-validate in high school. And what I mean by that is... Again, it goes back to having a safe home to come home to at the end of the day. But my parents always made me feel that I was good enough. And I was able to self-validate and be like, look, I'm, I'm okay. Like I'm good enough. I'm cool. Like there's, there's no board of people in high school that decide who's cool and who's not. Like basically you just carry yourself like that. You know, you, you can make that decision, but I know it's not that easy. Hence why I moved to college. And then from the first day I was like, no, I'm, I'm cool. And, <laughs> but that self-validation of being like, I'm going to be okay. Like, you know, in five years when I get out of high school, I'm going to be good enough. And I carried that with me. And so when, you know, the show started and I was having so much trouble graduating and then, you know, once I graduated, I took the bar and passed it the first time. It was great. But, you know, being on reality TV wasn't conducive to being a full-time lawyer at the time. And I also have always wanted to work for myself and be an entrepreneur, which you read about with the golf balls in, in the book. And that's right. (laughs) And, um, and so I, there was no one in my life supportive of this project other than again, my parents, they didn't understand why I was doing it, but they're like, look, we don't know where you came from to begin with. And we trust you. (laughs) Um, 
they were always just like finish what you started though. All they ever wanted me to do is finish, you know, graduate law school. And that, that was fair and it made sense. But with the pillows, I knew it. I knew after I sewed those first three pillows and posted them on Instagram on that Sunday afternoon, I knew I had a hit and I knew it was just different enough to work. Um, one thing that I never understood about my past relationship was I think that doing things outside of societal norms is extremely attractive. I think that confidence to step out of what everyone else wants you to do and what you should do is an attractive trait. And so that first time when I had my sewing machine, I actually thought I was going to get an incredible kind of celebratory embrace from my girlfriend at the time. Instead, she was really embarrassed. And so that kind of woke me up to even people close to me in my life were scared to step out of those norms that people, you know, years and years and years ago established that we're, what we're supposed to do. And so I kind of fought through all of that. And it was just the confidence in myself to, to make it work. And I, I tell anyone that's listening, if you have a great idea, you're not going to have a bunch of people that are like, Oh my God, that's the next million dollar idea. If they were, they do it themselves. Like, there's, yeah. There's a good chance that if everyone hates your idea, it's actually not, not a bad idea. And it's until you talk to people that are in business or reach out to us, or you guys are like, you know, people that are, are at the higher, like, I don't want to say hot. Like you have to talk to people who have made a small business successful or are confident in their own lives and they'll tell you the truth. But yeah, if you run into, you know, there's a lot of haters out there, but that is Naomi had been super thrilled from the beginning though. You wouldn't have had the line what's wrong with my sewing, which is like the best part. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It all panned out. I do struggle with answering the question. Um, you know, what if you like you were on reality TV, so you had a big platform. Why, you know, how do I do it without reality TV? And my answer is, you know, look, of course, we it's a huge head start doing that. But it was still really difficult bringing a product to market. I mean, there's only a couple personalities or Bravo personalities that have successful companies through it. Um, but yes, of course, it's way easier to have that platform. What I do tell people is to get the, the attention of local media or local press, start doing things for charity. Do something for the animal shelter, do something for the children's hospital, for cancer, something like that, that gives that local media a reason to talk to you and start to put you on. That would be my best intro to social media. But I know yeah. you didn't use that, but it's just kind of... No, that's yeah, great, no, it's advice. great advice. Um, and I actually met you super briefly at your, I live in Beaufort, North Carolina. I actually live right down the street from Beaufort Lennon. So I met you really briefly at that party. We have, we have like that picture with your book. We went back. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, but I was just wondering if you think that going out and meeting your fans in real life, like helped you start your company out on the right foot. I mean, cause I thought that was really cool that you did that because you easily, you had a big enough platform that you could have, set at home and taking pictures of yourself on Instagram and put them on the show and not had to do all of that. Yeah. I don't understand why people don't do it more. And actually Austin struggles with this because like we're about to go on our podcast tour, like a live podcast tour. And he's like, if this was a thing, why isn't everyone doing it? And I was like, you just kind of have to be a pioneer and have the guts to go do it. Um, and I and I understand where he's coming from, but it was the same reaction that my two partners, Jerry and Amanda, had when I said I wanted to go on tour, like a, do the pillow party tour. And they're like, that's just not what basic business principles teach us to do. 
you know, that's not what they learned in grad school. It's not what they learned in business school. And that just wasn't, wasn't the right answer. But I just knew after the first one I did. So my goal was to always have, see my pillows sold in other people's stores. And so I helped someone launch their store by being there and the turnout was great. And then you have Bravo cons announced and people are buying, you know, spending thousands of dollars on tickets to come see, you know, Bravo personalities. And I was like, I, I'm one of them. I can do this myself. And I just, I had this feeling that if we did it, it would work. And I could tell by my engagement when I was just out on the town that if we gave people a time and place to come, to come hang out and socialize that it would work. And it ended up being a monumental step in our growth. It really took our company to the next level. It's when our sales really started to turn into a real business. I was having a blast because that's what I live for. I've always, uh, my goal throughout life has always been to get to a point where, you know, I could, I could put on, basically I could train my smile for someone else or just, just put a smile on my, I always thought it was cool that people, celebrities, you know, quote unquote, I don't, you know what I mean? That they can take a picture with someone and put a smile on someone's face. And I was like, man, that is a cool asset for them to have that they can just say hi to someone and make someone's day. And so I was like, I've kind of gotten to a place where that works with a lot of people. So why not share that? And, you know, my other goal, you know, yeah, just basically share happiness with people. And I was making a ton of money doing it. And that's what I'm not you know, afraid to say money drives me. I've always loved money, but that's because I have this deep philanthropic desire to give that money away. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, there are ways to help without money, but the money helps <laughs> if you want to help at all. Yeah. So, you know, I was then getting to grow this business and meet people. And it was just a snowball effect that it was my happy place. And so, that's kind of what led into the store was the success of those pillow parties. And, you know, it just, it, my partners were happy because the business was growing and I was happy because I was getting to meet so many people. Yeah. It's so cool because um, in talking to you, I can feel what I was feeling when I was reading the book. And I know others were too, is that as you were getting more and more success and figuring all this out, we're like all going, do it, go. And we were cheering when the store opened from reading it. And uh, it's like, good for you. Good for you. You have all the right elements into it, the right, the right approach. It's awesome. But what we want to know is what is next for you? Another book, expanding sewing down south, maybe a few tidbits from the upcoming season of Southern Charm. Yeah, of course. Uh, so I like to give my two partners a heart attack by saying, you know, I want to open a store in uh, Nashville or, or Dallas or plenty of other cities around the country. I think the next step for STS would be we've got an incredible team under us right now. Uh, that works with us and giving them their own pop-up for a month or two around the country could be neat. But right now we're going to stick to our flag flagship location. The big steps that we're taking is every month we have a new product release. So whether it's a new pillow collection or a new, like we're making basically outdoor, um, 
there are plates and cups and stuff for poolside dining. It's called like Miramine. I never say it right. My parent, my mom gets mad at me every <laughs> time. Uh, but then Melamine. Melamine. I say Melamine. it wrong every time. I knew Christy would know it. Yes, thank you. And my mom actually texted me the other day and she was like, you need to learn. She, my parents were in Florida, happened to be in Florida when I was speaking somewhere. And she's like, you got to figure out this word. <laughs> um, and it's, I mean, and, it doesn't come up a lot. In, like, right. conversation. And I designed, like I designed it all. And anyway, we have that. But then uh, what I'm most excited about right now is we're getting into betting. And so in August, we launch our betting line and that'll include sleeping pillows, sheets, comforters, all of that stuff. And that wow. just opens up an entire new world for us. So um, we've got, you know, we have talks with Dormify to which is a great company. Uh, yeah. That's great. Um, and we just closed on our home goods deal, which is going to be a whole new branch of our company. That's I crazy. Realize, I mean, everyone, home goods is pretty much everyone's favorite store. It yeah. is. It is. Home goods is great. <laughs> and it's in every city across the country. So yeah, I'm sure there's something behind me. Yeah. So uh, that's what's going on with Sewing Down South. Um, with what was the, there was three. It was the show, the company, and what was the third one? Really uh, the, sh- the show. So I don't know. The show. Um, look, I will say, yeah, I know, right? Get to the, the juicy stuff. I am pumped about this season of Southern Charm. It's, it's very old school to like taking it back to the first few seasons of our show. There's stuff that happens that even the best writer in the world just could never have imagined, um, which you guys will be able to appreciate. It's just... Yeah. I've it's, always felt that way about the show. I'm like... <laughs> It, did that just happen? Is that real? Because you couldn't write that because people would be like, that's not real. I mean, there's stuff that happens where you're just like, you'll fall out, you'll fall off your couch. And um, <laughs> watch you know, party, watch party. Shep and I just, you know, we're, we're, we yell a lot and look like lunatics at times, but um, <laughs> the boys, the boys get along. There's a, a great, uh, you know, I'm sure the girls did too. I'm just, you know, I can't comment for them, but the boys really, honed in on our friendship again, which was great. So we had a lot of fun. Um, I think it's important to show some of that fun too. You know, I mean, the drama is obviously, you know, the bones of it, but it's okay to see us laugh and have fun every once in a while too. So it's absolutely wonderful. Absolutely. This is stuff that I hope to God doesn't leak before the premiere, because there's just, it's, it's going to be one of our better seasons, which is great because we're, you know, past, few seasons were a little tough. I mean, it was a weird, weird, you know, weird time in our world. And this one is, uh, this one's wild. We have a little bigger cast this year. I think it's gonna be a little bigger of a little longer of a season. So a lot to look forward to on that front. Well, I'm there for all of it. I know Christy is. Well, and, and are you guys, what cities are you in? I'm in Cleveland. Okay. And I'm in Beaufort, North Carolina. Okay. Sean is in New Mexico. And Sean is, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, we're doing, well, we're doing this, the podcast tour, um, and we're not coming to those cities just yet, but, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully we'll get to see each other in person because during the podcast tour, I'll also, during the day, we'll be doing a book tour. So I'll be doing, I'll be on book tour at the same time as you. So we'll probably be in some of the same cities. Yeah, exactly. And Stassi's book launch is like two days before ours. That's right. Yeah. So a lot to look forward to. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Well, Craig, thank you so much for joining us. It has been such a thrill to hear about your journey, and we so appreciate your honesty and your willingness to tell your story. We know it's going to inspire and help so many others. And it will be wonderful to share a pub day with you. And um, readers, go out and, and pre-order Pillow Talk from your favorite independent bookstore or wherever books are sold. Absolutely. Yeah. We yeah. actually have... Uh, what I don't know when this podcast comes out, but... But until March 15th, there's a link on my Instagram that if you click on it, you can actually pre-order a signed copy of the book. Also, Perfect. I was going to ask about that. And, and we will air this like a week before that. So you, you'll get some Perfect. last minute pre-orders. Perfect. So thank you all for joining us on the podcast today. You can go ahead and pre-order both Craig and Christie's books on our Friends in Fiction bookshop.org page or go to Craig's Instagram page and click on the link to get a signed one. Or if you want to go to somewhere down south and buy some of those candles like I did, mm-hmm. I love them, so they, I can I can recommend them highly. On behalf of Christy, Mary Kay, Patty, and Kristen, we appreciate you tuning in and hope you'll listen in next week. Be sure and tell a friend. Thank you to our presenting sponsors. Charleston Coffee Roasters and Page One Books for their generous support. Show our sponsors some love by following them on Facebook and Instagram and subscribing to their email newsletters. Remember, use code COFFEEWITHFRIENDS for 20% off bagged coffees at Charleston Coffee Roasters and code FRIENDS, plural, FRIENDS15 for 15% off book subscriptions at page one. Thank you for tuning in to the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Tune in every Friday for another episode. And you can also join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live Friends in Fiction show airs at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.